Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, uh, let's go ahead and uh, before we do get started, I want to let you know today's program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Thanks so much for your support. Um, you can support the show at support.greatdetectives.net, and I especially want to thank Michael for his support. We'll send access to the premium site, as we do with all donations of $7 or more. All right, well, now it's time for today's episode of Pursuit. This one actually marked the uh, beginning of the new ongoing Pursuit series uh, that aired uh, in the fall of 1951 into the spring of 1952. The title is Pursuit and the Ladies of Farthing Street. And now, Pursuit. Pursuit. A criminal strikes and fades quickly back into the shadows of his own dark world. And then, the man from Scotland Yard, the famous inspector Peter Black, and the dangerous, relentless pursuit. When man hunts man. In just a moment, tonight's story. One of the things you may not notice, but which other people do, is a gradual loss of whiteness and brightness in your teeth. A loss that robs your smile of beauty and you of charm. So if you've been trying to prevent tooth decay by changing your way of cleaning teeth, and your once winning smile has slowly faded, don't wait. Right away, start using a dentifrice that not only helps prevent tooth decay, but also whitens and brightens your teeth, really cleans them. And no dentifrice cleans teeth like powder. You can prove this without risking a penny by trying Dr. Lyon's Tooth Powder. If you don't agree that Dr. Lyon's Tooth Powder gets your teeth cleaner than the dentifrice you're now using, that it whitens and brightens your teeth in a way that makes your smile gleam with all of its old-time luster and brilliance, return the package and your money will be refunded. You can buy regular Dr. Lyon's Tooth Powder, or if you want the best of the ammoniated tooth powders, buy ammoniated Dr. Lyon's. No matter which you prefer, be sure you get Dr. Lyon's. And get back your winning smile. Now, with Ben Wright starred as the famous inspector Peter Black of Scotland Yard, we bring you tonight's story, Pursuit and the Ladies of Farthing Street. Caught all these here things. Well, this is right, Muffet. See the sign? Oh? Oh, yeah. Just wait now, I suppose, sir. Hmm. You got the time? It's uh, half past on the dot. Well, we'll give it ten minutes. You can't tell. Oh, I don't know, sir. These anonymous letters. So much rubbish, most of them. Well, there's always one that isn't. Oh, I hope this is one of them. Oh, there's a lot of places I'd rather be than here. Oh, you cold, Muffet? Oh, a bit of rheumatism, sir. <coughs> 
I'd have to... It fog gets in your throat so you can't breathe. A policeman's lot is not a happy one. Happy one? Mm, not off, if I may say so, sir. Yes, you may. Hey, we'd better move under the street lamp. You'll be able to see us better. Uh, what's the matter? Chill blank, sir. Oh. Um, you ever thought about retiring, Mother? On nights like this, I do, and it's a fact. Oh, what's that bloody dog think he's doing? Barking. Hello. Here's someone. Go on, go on, move along now, I'll take you in. Police. <laughs> what is it about you, Martin? Ah, <laughs> Look at the little beast, will you? Well, what's he got, a rat? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, give me that. Come on, come on, come on. Now drop it. Drop it, boy. Drop it. That's... 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 <laughs> it's a shoe, uh, sir. Not it. Your hand. Did the dog bite it? No, sir. I... Oh. It must have been on the shoe. Come on, then. Dog came from over there, I think. Shine your torch that way. That's nasty, that is. Yes. Well, now we know where he got the shoe. That morning, the yard had received an anonymous letter to the effect that the writer was in possession of certain facts concerning a murder. We receive a number of such notes weekly, and all are given routine attention... This one, however, I felt was not of the psychopathic variety, and so Muffet and I had obeyed the instructions. We had gone to an abandoned warehouse in West Ferry Road, arrived there at half past ten that night, and waited. And now we stood over a man lying face down in an alleyway. There was a dark wetness on and around his body. One shoe was missing. I, I remember noticing a hole in the heel of the sock. And then Muffet was bending over the dead man. Stab wound, sir. Back inside. Hmm. Now, help me to turn him over, will you? You know him? No, sir. All right. Let's have a look through the pockets. Any identity card? Not yet, sir. What? Oh, uh, here. Oh, William Prue. 363 Burdett Road. Uh, let me see the signature. Uh, uh, hold, hold the torch down, will you? Ah, oh, yes. Same writing. The letter we got from the check this morning? That's right. Here. Oh. Yes, I'd say it was the same, sir. Well, there's this, too. Something written on the back of a bus ticket, it looks like. Huh? Daffodil and Tulip, Farthing Street. Now, what the devil is that? Oh, blessed if I know, sir. Well... We'd better have him taken to the yard. Poor devil. He knew something about a murder, all right. Too much. The next day at the yard, Sergeant Moffat and I began to work on the identification of the dead man known to us as William Prue. The fingerprint bureau, sorting through over 10 million prints in their files criminal record office to determine the same with photographs. 
We knew that our task would be considerably simpler were the deceased a known criminal. And further, it was necessary to establish the authenticity of the identity card which every resident of the United Kingdom is required to carry. At two o'clock, a report came through on another inquiry which I had made to CRO. Chief Inspector Black here. Hello, Black. This is Criminal Records. Roach speaking. Oh, hello, Roach. I hear you broke your arm the other day. Nothing serious. Fell off the ladder up here. I say about that address. 363 Burdett Road. Belongs to a chap named Stephen Wing. Oh, yes? We haven't got a thing. Clean as a bit. Oh, what is the place? As far as we know, a boarding house. Mostly seamen. Wing's registered with the police. All perfectly legitimate. Oh, I see. Is there anything about William Prue yet? Half a tick. William through Proctor. Right. Hello. Yes? Not yet. Um, we'll let you know. Probably an hour. All right. Thanks very much, Roach. I say, take care of your arm. I shall. Say hello to old Moff. Bye-bye. Chief Inspector Black, yeah? Moff, sir. I'll trace that passage if we found. Daffodil and Tulip, Farthing uh, Street. Oh, good. It's a tea shop in Kent. right um. Well, look, uh, nothing's come in here, so have the car brought round, will you? I'll run down to the place. Right, sir. The Daffodil and Tulip turned out to be a very pleasant cottage without the remotest sign of either Daffodil or Tulip growing in the gardens. It had been remodeled to attend the public needs, but retained the charm of a private dwelling. The season was evidently slow, and I was received by a very large maiden lady who bore down on me like a ship of the line. Good afternoon, sir. Would you like to go over there? You can see the white turkeys. Of course, they're molting and rather bad-tempered. This way, please. Such delightful weather, don't you think? Uh, madam... Miss Montague, don't you know? I'm from Scotland Yard, Chief Inspector Black. Oh. Then you haven't come for tea. No. Oh, he hasn't come for tea, Letty, dear. Turn off the gas. We saw you coming up the path. Business has been a little awkward, don't you know? Yes, I understand. Now, uh, I wonder if I may ask you one or two questions. Oh, is it about the grocer's bill? Letty! Yes, dear? Coming? Miss Minton and I are partners. Such a dear little place, don't you think? Is there a shade, dear? Letty, this gentleman is a policeman. He wants to ask us questions. Good heavens. It concerns a man named William Prue. Are you acquainted with him? Prue? William Prue? No, we are not. Oh, no. We found a bus ticket which bore on the reverse side this address. Oh, how very odd. It's very. Uh, during the past week or two, do you remember serving any men? Uh, maybe roughly dressed, possibly seamen? We do not cater to common people, Inspector. Oh, no, never. Not vagabond, surely not. Well, this man was about 45, 5 foot 7, about 10 stone, had uh, gray hair, nose was broken, blue eyes. You speak as though he's dead. I'm afraid that he is. Oh, oh dear, how hard I didn't think it was only last week. Oh, then you recognize the description? Yes. He said he'd known Percy, Miss Minton's brother. Oh, dear. We didn't know his name, though. And may I speak to Mr. Minton, please? Uh, does he live here? Well, I never... <laughs> I think I'm going to cry. I'm so sorry, dear. That was most unkind, Inspector. Everybody knows. Most unkind. I'm afraid I don't... You must have known about Percy. 
Everybody does. And at this moment, you, what does everybody know? You say you're a policeman. You should know. Percy has been in prison for 15 years now. He was sent there for murder. When your hair starts thinning out, don't ignore it. Do something about it. And the thing to do when excessive falling hair is caused by infectious dandruff is use double dandrine, a remarkable dandruff product that gives such effective relief that even in some of the most stubborn cases, results have been amazing. Double dandrine really works because it destroys the germ Pityrosporum ovale, which many outstanding authorities say is a common cause of infectious dandruff. Only by destroying this germ can you get the real dandruff relief you need. Preparations that simply remove loose dandruff have no effect on it. But double dandrine, which is completely safe to use, actually kills this dandruff-causing germ on contact. So if your hair is falling out excessively because of infectious dandruff, try dousing your scalp with double dandrine, the remarkable dandruff product that guarantees dandruff relief or your money back. Tomorrow, get double dandrine. Now, the second act of Pursuit and the ladies of Farthing Street. How could you be so cruel, so heartless? Miss Montague, I didn't know. I'm sorry, but I'm afraid I must still trouble you for some facts. I thought at first that you were a gentleman. I perceive that you are not. What is it that you wish to know? This man we'll call Prue. Did he give any reason for speaking of Mr. Minton? Or did he want to see him? Or was he a friend? He said so, that he had known him some time ago. Well, He didn't say. You said that he gave no name? He did not. He had his tea like a gentleman and then went away. And you didn't tell him where Mr. Minton was? Certainly not. Did the murder of which Mr. Minton was convicted take place in London? Yes. I see. Now, Inspector, I have nothing more to say. Neither, I'm sure, has Miss Minton. She had never seen or heard of the man before. No, never. Do you wish to tell me where Mr. Minton was sent? Dartmoor Prison. Good afternoon. I had been far from satisfied with my interview at the Daffodil and Tulip tea shop. There were several questions unanswered and others still to be asked. I felt, though, at the time that the knowledge I had gained would be amplified by whatever evidence had been uncovered at the yard. And when I reached the office, the reports were already on my desk. Here we are, sir. Ah, got him. Yes, this is our man, Prue, all right. Oh, sir? Uh-huh. Fingerprint Bureau. William Henderson, age 46, etc., etc. Uh, yeah, uh, now listen to this, Moffat. CRO report. William Henderson, three arrests, two convictions at 1925, 1931, 1948. Yes, with the last two put him away. Well, let's see. Yes, the first count of burglary, uh, insufficient evidence. Uh, then forgery in 1931 and 1948. Teddy stuff. Uh, uh, ah, mm, yes, it's interesting here. Something, sir. He was in Dartmoor on the last conviction. Oh, you think he knew Minton there? And we're going to find out. Well, the identity card is obviously a fraud, and so is the name Prue. Now, look here. I want you to find everything in the file on Minton's case. Right you are, sir. I'm going to call the governor at Dartmoor and arrange for an interview tomorrow.
Fifteen minutes later, I was leaping through the file of Percival Minden. The murder and subsequent trial were remarkably uniform in their simplicity. Minton had shot and killed a friend who was visiting his flat. There had been drinking and a quarrel. No witnesses, only the admission of guilt on the part of the accused. His sister, Miss Letitia Minton, had been attending a play with a companion, Miss Edwina Montague. On their return, they were met at the door by Minton, who told them to call the police. This was done, and the case for the Crown was completed three months later, Minton pleading guilty. Sentence, life imprisonment. The next day, Moffat and I drove through a cold, grey mist and arrived that evening at the lonely pile of stone, which is Dartmoor. We went immediately to the governor's office. Now, Inspector, you wish to see Minton. And on the phone, you were inquiring about a release prisoner. Uh, yes, Henderson, sir. William Henderson. Oh, yes. Uh, tell me, did they share a cell? Uh, just a moment. Uh, Minton has been in the second gallery since his arrival... It was 1936, October the 20th. Uh-huh. And, um, Henderson was brought here May the 12th, 1948. He was in the first gallery, cell number six. No, they were never together. Oh, I see. Oh, would there have been any possibility of a, of a close friendship between these two? Mm, it's rather doubtful. Mitten is a long-term prisoner, class number three medically. He's untasked, over 60. Henderson was class number one. sewing mail bags uh-huh. and their recreation periods were separate mm-hmm. now their chances for contact were nil i should say well, would there be any way of knowing if the two men had known each other previously to henderson's arrest i mean uh, possibly visits by henderson to minton i don't think so however that will take some time we'll have to go through the visitors book yes very well sir well, and now if i may i'd like to talk to the prisoner of course i'll have one of the staff take you of English prisons are rigidly enforced, both for convict and visiting official. In order to question Percival Minton, I had to submit to the presence of a member of the prison staff. Now, this is a provision which protects police and prisoner alike from the possible suggestion that, in questioning, coercion was used. In America, it's called the third degree. The guard led me to the second gallery and past quietened cells where men dressed in grey sat smoking or reading. They looked up, eyes alight with a momentary interest, and then were gone from my sight. Hello, Percy. Got a visitor for you. Huh? After you, sir. Uh, Minton, my name is Black. I'm a policeman from Scotland Yard. <laughs> Hope I haven't done something wrong. Now, Percy, no lip. Oh, that's all right. Uh, Minton, since you've been here, have you run across a man named William Henderson? Henderson? No. Are you sure? Gray hair? Broken nose? That description would fit half of Dartmoor. Eh, hey, Sonny? No, no, Percy. He says that he was an old friend of yours. I have no old friends. No young ones, either. Oh. He went to see your sister two weeks ago. No, no, no. That's not true. He didn't. I don't believe you. Then you did know him? No, I didn't. I just don't want my sister to know anybody from this place. Nobody, not even me. I don't allow her to visit. You're lying to me. I'm not, Minton. 
Now, this man was found dead, murdered. He had an address in his pocket, the Daffodil and Tulip Tea Shop. He didn't. He didn't. No, 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 he didn't. No. Easy on, Percy. We received a letter from Henderson. He stated that he knew something about a murder. He wished to give us that information. I told you, I don't know this person. He doesn't know me. Please leave me alone. It's not fair. You shouldn't be allowed to follow me in here. I'm paying. You have no right. I'm a murderer. This is what I live now. Enough, I'm you paying for what I'm required. Be right here alone and leave me alone. Go away. Go away. There was something rather terrible about his passion. He was a very little man with a gentle face now transformed. Tears streamed from his eyes and the voice became shrill, almost a scream. I left the guard to quiet him and as I walked back to the governor's office I was reminded of a phrase from some dimly remembered novel. There is no loneliness to compare to the loneliness of a prison night. The governor's records in the visitor's book showed no indication that Henderson had ever come to see Minton. The supposition then was that there had been no contact between the men in Dartmoor. Therefore, it was our job to link them elsewhere. And we proceeded with this theory the following day. And put as many men as you can spare on it, will you? And in particular, find out Henderson's whereabouts between 1932 and 1936. Well, there's not much else we can do at the moment, Martin. I'm afraid not, sir. There has to be a motive. Now, why kill Henderson? Maybe there's no connection between Minton and him at all. No, there's something there. Why did Henderson go to the tea shop in Kent? And we've got to assume that he knew he wouldn't find Minton there. Why? I'm blowed if I know, sir. You know, there's a funny thing, Moffat. According to Minton, he never allowed his sister to visit him. I just wonder... Hello, Black here. Hello, Inspector. This is Governor Rexford, Dartmoor. Oh, yes, sir. Look here, I made further inquiries about a man. Now, a year ago, there was a mild influenza epidemic here. The hospital report states that both Henderson and Minton were admitted. Good, go on, sir. It's better than that. They were in the same ward for two weeks, next to each other. Is that what you're looking for? Wonderful. Thank you very much, sir. Up to that moment, there was no positive proof. But three hours later, we had it. A date on a bus ticket, and two gray hairs which biological laboratory found on the clothing of the dead man. And when I went back to the daffodil and tulip, I knew who had murdered William Henderson. It only remained to learn why. Have you come for tea this time? No, Miss Minton. Uh, is there an office where we can have a few words? Oh, dear, but uh, the customers... I'm afraid that can't be helped. Oh, uh, oh, no. Well, uh, well, then, perhaps in the pantry. Edwina's there. Well, I should like to speak to her, too. There's a trumpet for the end table, dear. Oh, well, I'll attend to this, dear. You take the tea. No, Miss Montague. Tea will have to wait. Now, you told me that a man had come to your shop a week ago asking about Mr. Minton. It's true, he did. I'm sure of that, Miss Minton. And you didn't see him after that? No, did we, Edwina? We did not. Well, I have here a bus ticket which proves that he made a trip down here the day before he died. I'm sure. There are two long gray hairs which were found on the deceased's clothing. I believe they'll be shown to be yours, Miss Montague. 
How stupid of you. Why should I dream of... Killing the man? Well, it may be better if you told us. However, I must warn you that anything you say will be taken down in evidence. Edwina? What does he mean? I suggest, Miss Montague, that the murdered man was in possession of certain facts which he had obtained from Miss Minton's brother. Facts with which he was attempting to blackmail you. No. That you were unable to meet his demands and killed him. I did do it, didn't I, Edwina? Stop it, lady. Yes, I killed him. You're quite right. Didn't I, Edwina, all this time you said... He had nothing whatsoever to do with this, Inspector. I killed him. He came here a week ago. And then again, the night before, it happened. He said he'd tell the police about something. What doesn't matter? Then he told me that if I'd meet him at quarter past ten, at the warehouse on West Ferry Road, with a thousand pounds, he wouldn't say anything to the police. We had no money. So I went there and stabbed him. I confess. Forgive me, Letty. Why? Miss Montague, why did you do it? I know why. Stop it! I can't hear you. No! I'm sorry, dear. I'm so sorry. I thought if Queen behaved strangely after the man came to see us. She said it was nothing but I know her. You get to know people whom you love. No! No, don't listen to her! I never really believed you were Percy, Edwina. Inspector, my brother is in prison for what I did. He took the blame for the murder I did 15 years ago. Yes, it's true. And you were willing to ruin your life for her, Minton? It's not ruined, Inspector. I haven't been so unhappy here. I've known that what I did was right. My father would have wanted it. Your father? Oh, yes. He died a long time ago. He asked me to take care of Letty. I always took care of her, you know. And then 15 years ago, she must have been 35 then, she met a man, not at all a suitable person, you know. She became infatuated. I didn't realize how much so. Father would never have approved. Oh, it was disgusting. Why did she kill him? She was drunk one evening, revoltingly drunk. Didn't know what she was doing. Edwina and I, uh, she was a very old friend, you know, we had gone to a play. Well, Letty invited that man to our flat. It happened just before we came home. The shame would have killed Father had he been alive. And so you took the blame for what she did? Edwina agreed to look after her, just as Father would have wanted me to do. And you weren't aware that you told all this to Henderson when you were in the hospital together? I know. I was quite ill. I suppose delirious. <sighs> now I expect I shall have to leave here. <sighs> I wonder what it would be like outside. It was a sensational trial, sordid and tragic. The odd little man who had relinquished 15 years of his life was pardoned. He soon afterward disappeared. The daffodil and tulip is once again a private cottage in Farthing Street, Kent. Pursuit. And the pursuit is ended.
Are you among the thousands who never have any fun because you lack energy and ambition? Has the color that once bloomed in your cheeks faded and gone? If life is passing you by solely because you don't have enough iron in your blood, remember that blood that is starving for iron simply cannot carry the load necessary to keep you at your peak. It puts an added burden on your heart, makes its work harder to keep you going, and it drains the vital strength and vigor from your body. So use an iron tonic, ironized yeast, daily. Regular use of ironized yeast tablets provides an abundance of iron to your pale, anemic blood, transforming it into rich red bloodstream that restores the precious energy and vitality, the healthy color that once were yours. Tiredness and pallor may be due to other causes, so to be sure of your condition, see your doctor. But if your trouble is simply blood that hungers for iron, then try ironized yeast tablets, now available in half-month, one-month, and two-month packages for as little as four cents a day. Pursuit is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis and written by Anthony Ellis. Music was composed and presented by Eddie Dunstetter. Ben Wright stars as Inspector Peter Black with Raymond Lawrence as Sergeant Moffat. In tonight's story, Byron Kane was heard as Roach, Jeanette Nolan as Edwina, Irene Tedrow as Letitia, Bill Johnstone as the Governor, and Joseph Kearns as Percy. We invite you to join us next week at this same time when Pursuit will bring you another dramatic story of the famous Inspector Peter Black of Scotland Yard, relentlessly hunting down those whose disordered passions breed violence and murder. Another story of man hunting man when we bring you Pursuit. Keep it clean with energy. Dirty grease spots go right before your eyes in a jiffy when you use energy cleaning fluid. It's unsurpassed for use on blouses, hats, almost anything you can think of. And it's easy to use, too. Get Energine at drug, grocery, or variety stores. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. Welcome back. You know, that episode might be a case of, I wonder if our prison system's too easy, if the guy's like, ah, not so bad, who never actually did a crime. But at any rate, an interesting story with a couple of pretty good twists. And uh, we turn now to some listener comments and feedback. And uh, we have uh, comments here from uh, on, from Stitcher.com. One Bobo 24 says, love the old time great detectives. Love how Adam introduces the show and then wraps it up at the end. And buddy, uh, 925 writes, uh, takes me back to, uh, radio days. Uh, really enjoy it. Uh, try it. Well, thanks so much for your support. Do appreciate that. And, uh, the cup 2000 people who have this show in their playlist on Stitcher. All right. Well, that will actually. Wrap it up for today. We'll be back tomorrow with Pat Novak for Hire. Join us back next Monday for another episode of Pursuit. In the meanwhile, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter or Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>